Welcome to the Intelligent Dynamic Sensing Podcast. My name is Bruce Malkinson, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer for Accenture Technology Corporation. In each episode, you will learn from industry experts who share their insights and strategies on how to reveal hidden surface data and optimize the performance, comfort, and safety of surfaces. We will discuss and present solutions that have worked for real-world applications across fields like product design and safety testing, consumer, clinical, and human body performance. And today's topic for our podcast is reviewing gate analysis methods, how they compare to planter pressure measurement technology. And I'm pleased to have joining me today, Paul Graham, founder of StepForce and musculoskeletal podiatrist and clinical educator in planter pressure analysis. Welcome, Paul. Hi, Bruce. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Looking forward to our conversation. So to open up, I guess, as we enter into our series on clinical gate assessment with you, we look forward to your insights and particularly in the area of evidence-based assessment. Now, I'm wondering if you could share with us how loading and gate assessments are completed today and how significant measured evidence is in accurate assessments. In current clinical practice, gate is analyzed and assessed in a number of ways through using visual gate analysis, looking at your patient walking, perhaps in the corridor, perhaps as you walk into the clinic, perhaps it's part of your examination. And this is a very common way. We've all done it. It's a great way of getting an overview of the relationships of the whole body as the person walks. The problem is that we need to look at the information in three body planes, and it happens so quickly that it's very difficult to take on board every little nuance. So this is why Many years ago, we moved to a paradigm of taking videos of patients walking. That allowed us to slow the gait down and frame by frame assess it. Looking at loading, though, we have to consider how to measure the pressure underneath someone's foot. And this is where planter pressure systems have really come into their own. We can also use accelerometers to look at joint movements in dynamic gait, and even go to the extreme of EMG studies to look at the electronic, uh, look at the muscle action. So there's a number of ways to assess. How we measure as far as accurate information really comes down to the amount of data we can pull off that we can measure. So it might be using a stopwatch for timing of various gait events. It may be drawing of angles or with planter pressure, of course, as it's objective, we've got a large data set that we can analyze. Okay, so you've highlighted a number of, <coughs> of parameters um, that need to be assessed. And I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about which of those parameters evaluated during uh, a foot function or gait assessment would most benefit from the use of quantified measurement technology. In the mid-90s, McFoyle presented the tissue stress theory, and most musculoskeletal practitioners use that as their paradigm these days. And that looks at how much load is being placed on tissues. So we need to know the tissue loading rates, how much the tissues are loaded and how quickly that occurs and how long that load is. So that's the maximum pressure and what's called the integral pressure. We also want to know how the foot is functioning and we look at 
the centre of pressure trajectory and the speed of which that pressure moves through the foot, what tissues it affects. And this gives us an understanding of how the midfoot and forefoot joints are functioning. We also look at dynamic foot function of the midfoot joint complex with the weight bearing moving from the lateral part of the foot through to the medial column and to the first MTP joint, and then looking particularly at the first MTP joint function with the integration of the windlass. All of this information can be presented and provided by plantar pressure assessment. Wonderful. So um, what I'm wondering is, is it, you know, that, that's a great overview of, of um, you know, the details of the foot function that are measured. And of course, you know, these clinicians are measuring uh, uh, both foot function and, and completing gait assessment. How influential is the foot function component in overall gait assessment? I don't think anyone would question the influence of foot function. If the foot is in dysfunction, the body will have to compensate for that. The body depends on good foot function to transfer body weight by adjusting to any asymmetry in the body to an uneven surface on the ground during any activity. We just take this so much for granted and there are so many systems involved, not just the musculoskeletal system, but proprioception, circulation. Every part is having an effect on how the foot and the lower leg functions during activity. We can't just think of our patient as the person in our clinic walking up and down in front of us. We'd have to think about how this foot would function during any activity, such as on a basketball court where different movements will cause the foot to have to move into different positions or such as leaping over a ditch or running across a hill where one foot will need to pronate and the other supinate. If these things are not able to happen because of dysfunction, the rest of the body will have to compensate and it, particularly in the sagittal plane, the knees will have to flex, the hips will have to flex, the stresses will be placed on the pelvis and lumbo pelvis area. So the function of the foot is absolutely critical in any level of mobility. Okay, so <clears throat> there's a lot to be measured. And uh, you know, within all of these parameters, um, of course they can't all be measured by one particular tool set. And I'm just wondering if we could talk a little bit about you know, what technologies are, and tools are used today. You've, you've mentioned video and, and uh, uh, you know, identification of angles and, and things like that. But I'm wondering, uh, you know, from the technologies that are used today and the possible technologies available, what are really the barriers to further adoption? It comes down to how easy the technology is to use and how used to the person is using that technology. So video is relatively easy to use. We are all used to using our mobile phones to record video. So it's a very easy step into that paradigm. And there is software available on mobile phones, iPads, computers that will actually allow you to take that information, slow it down, analyze it. And therefore video is still a very viable use. The only 
issue with video is that it doesn't have the complexity to record the small interactions that the foot goes through. We have moved from the paradigm of just looking at the heel and how much the foot pronates to su and supinates into how the foot actually works from the rear foot, midfoot and forefoot and where the loading is. This is where plantar pressure comes into being key in our understanding of where the loading is and how the foot is functioning in response to that loading. There isn't a barrier with plantar pressure, it has to be said. There is a lack of understanding within the medical fraternity of what data plantar pressure can provide. We know that it's great in research. We've seen it in marketing, but to understand how it can be used in a day-to-day -day scenario is not well understood. And often it's not taught at universities in undergrad positions. So we need to be trained to understand how to record and interpret the data and get the best out of it. So once we've done that, once we've understood the data that is being presented, almost everyone will be able to immediately see the benefits of this information. But of course, if you don't understand it, you can't. Okay, well, you, you've, you've answered part of my next question. So I'm gonna modify what I have to ask you here. And, and um, I'm gonna ask you, if, if we specifically look at insole sensors, because of course we know that there's both on floor and in shoe systems and um, our, our, in our series, we're gonna be exploring in shoe plantar pressure specifically. What's the significant value of that data in shoe? And, and what are the unique clinical insights that can be determined when in shoe pressure mapping is used? Well, in shoe systems give us the opportunity, depending on which in shoe system you use, it gives us the opportunity to actually be real with the patient. If a person gets pain during their working day when they're going up and down stairs in heavy boots, that is a different situation for them walking in the clinic over the, over the, over the floor. What we need to do is we need to go to the workplace have them do the activity in their working boots for us to understand why it's happening. And an in-shoe system that is, that is not tethered or has a recording process as part of it is really, really helpful. In-shoe systems do have some complications, but the Xsensor sensors have actually overcome those complications so they are really, really good in really seeing what is happening in any activity, what the footwear and any orthotics have as far as the influence to foot function. So it gives us the very best window into seeing how the foot works for us to make the best diagnosis and treatment strategies. Okay, understood, yeah. So it's really about measuring that natural motion that the person experiences in their everyday life. So. Um, I, I, I guess as we transition um, uh, into looking forward to our webinar and, and who, who might be interested in, in uh, joining us, uh, following this, I, I'm wondering how difficult is it for a clinician to adopt the use of plantar pressure data, particularly insole plantar pressure? And uh, in everyday practice, you know, what, what portion of their typical client base um, are, 
you know, is going to benefit from that or, or, or how, who in their uh, patient base is uh, going to get value from this assessment process? Well, with good equipment and appropriate training in how to use the equipment and recording and training in how to analyse and interpret the data and with a willingness to learn, it is absolutely not difficult. Um, I, in my practice, I regularly have new graduate positions and I very quickly get them up to speed with using pressure data to come to a decision point of diagnosis and treatment strategies. So with the appropriate training and the practitioner really wanting to learn, it is not a difficult thing to ask. I, I was just going to uh, interject with, with the, the following question again about how, you know, how influential this is to, to the, the clients. Is it, is this, is it really a realistic uh, application for every patient? It's a great question. If we take on board the tissue stress paradigm and work on the tissue overloading, causing the inflammation and injury, then the, most of our patients will have that scenario. So we can use plantar pressure from a person who's got a osteoarthritis condition where the joints are not deflecting the forces through to a person in the sports field with ankle injuries, a person with big toe joint dysfunction, maybe a bunion, all the way through to the person who has got diabetic neuropathy and is at risk of ulcers. All of these people have the forces being applied in the wrong place. And this is where plantar pressure can actually show this. And, and I'm assuming from a follow-on to that, provide a, uh, an, an effective tool for validation of whatever the particular intervention taken is. Oh, absolutely. One of the key things about the using an objective assessment as opposed to a subjective assessment is that we have the data in numbers. So the numbers can be compared with one appointment and then compared with subsequent treatments. We can also compare these the data against normative databases and research. So getting back to the person with diabetic neuropathy, if they're at risk of a foot ulcer, we need to get the pressures down to under 200 kilopascals. Some research says under 170 kilopascals. And unless you have that objective data, there is no way that you can know that. Wonderful. Well, I really appreciate all of these insights and um, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, plan to dig into this a lot deeper in our upcoming webinar and, uh, and uh, well, our upcoming series of webinars, I should say, and really look forward to um, having you uh, facilitate that conversation and share with us some details uh, in your presentation to come. So thanks again for your time today and for all of these insights. We appreciate it and invite everyone to join us for our first webinar in this series. Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Intelligent Dynamic Sensing Podcast. To learn more, go to Accenture.com or email us at sales at Accenture.com with any questions you may have. We'd love to hear from you. Never miss an episode by subscribing anywhere you listen to podcasts. <music>